0: All right. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock Metal Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris, and today on the Rock Metal Podcast, we have Catholic Guilt, not the condition, the band, and they have a new EP called This Is What Honesty Sounds Like, and it was released on August 28th, or will be released right on August 28th uh, via Wiretap Records. Right now, I'm being joined by Brenton to share some more information about this stellar release and what the band's got going on. So, Brenton, welcome to the show.
1: Uh thank you, John. It's nice to talk to another Harris uh, on a podcast. Uh, this doesn't happen often. It sounds like a family affair.
0: It, it could very well be a family affair, and to boot, are we both wearing the same AKG cans right now? I do believe we are. Wow, well, that is fantastic. It's a. Fit, fit, I'm getting getting emotional, and it's not the guilt for once.
1: This is what <laughs> well, I'm. Well, just- I mean. Yeah, the guilt is something that you have to uh, learn to quieten down sometimes.
0: Exactly. Well, this is what honesty sounds like, and uh, it's the, the is meeting with the uh, the AKG headphones, and uh, I would call it a life in three part harmony, but there's only two of us.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's always the dull hum of the uh, of the internet in the background. We could uh, we could use that as as the third third part. Perhaps that's the low harmony. Exactly. Or um. Or Zuckerberg's um, omnipresence mm-hmm. as well. He he could be sitting there listening.
0: Yes, he could be. Or since this is uh, Catholic guilt, it could be the hum of the Lord. Uh, oh,
1: I mean, always.
0: Always. <laughs> always. Listening to every conversation I'm not even having. Uh, groovy. True story. The other day, uh, somebody said Facebook was dicking them around. Like, oh, I'm being dicked around again by Facebook. And so I I just quipped, you know, that's Mark Zuckerberg's dick, dicking you around. <laughs> They were, they were if not. He,
1: yeah if he is listening uh
0: <laughs> i'm sure he got a kick out of that i'm sure he did i bet he has a great sense of humor um <laughs> fucking robot in a sweater anyway so granted that was like 20 years ago isn't it crazy how long that platform has been around like i've been waiting for it to die any day now and it just seems to keep going like the energizer bunny
1: oh it's astonishing it has all the survival instincts that myspace didn't um and it's it's unfortunate because i'll be honest r.i.p myspace Mm -hmm. you're the real goat
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i still to this day do not use facebook even for the podcast like i hate facebook i don't like it um And maybe I'm waiting for Facebook to die. It's funny from a generational perspective because it sounds like we're old enough to remember that Friendster was around for a bit and then it died. And then MySpace came around and it was around for a bit and it was amazing when it was. You could actually connect with other bands. You could connect with fans. You could network. You could do all the things that you have to have six social media accounts now to do that you could do on MySpace. Um, and then Hit died. And when Facebook took over, it was like, really? this thing, this thing sucks. Like this thing's going to die any day now. And it's still kicking around. And for people who've grown up with it for the last 10 years or 14 years, they're like, what do you mean? It would go like, what's my space.
1: <laughs> That's true. And look, I'm not going to, I won't badmouth it too much. Uh, in case they start, uh, <laughs> ha- hacking the algorithm to, against our uh, posts. Cause it is a useful business talk, but,
0: uh, alas, we'll, <laughs> we'll alas, digress. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> Yeah, well, I I heard that as a quote once. Either you spend money on Facebook or you make money on Facebook. And um, I'll just leave it at that. If anybody knows how to make money on Facebook, which it sounds like you do, so I need to connect with the other Harris family across the globe uh, and go from there. Quite literally, you're in the future from where I'm at. So it makes sense.
1: Indeed, we are. Uh, it, It is the future right now. I can tell you that existence continues for at least one more day.
0: At least one more day. Or all it means is that all we have is right now. Um, I'm looking at the artwork for this EP. This is what honesty sounds like, and I'm uh, intrigued, deliberately intrigued. Take us through this EP. What is this EP about? What does this artwork entail?
1: Sure. Um, well, the EP itself uh, is supposed to encompass five different human experiences, um uh isolation um frustration oh wow, look at me forgetting what all the uh <laughs> what all the experiences are at this time in <laughs> the morning uh isolation frustration um uh like grief um uh oh wow i'm gonna do you ever do any editing because <laughs>
0: We can edit it if you want, but it also shows you're, you're human or something. So isolation, yeah. isolation, frustration, grief. So what I'll do to save this, well, obviously we could edit it if you want to. I can put it in the request yeah. to my editing guy. But um, I think more realistically, is this about just the state of human emotions as people were going through the pandemic? Uh,
1: not specifically the pandemic, but uh, in general, that um, that malaise that everyone hits in their... Um, their early 30s, uh, where you are being encountered by or confronted by a lot of uh, the more difficult experiences that humans go through for the first time uh, quite frequently all at once. Uh, and the record essentially documents me growing up as a human being um, <laughs> through a, a number of uh, ordeals, as, as it would be. Um, and so it's kind of a... a niche I wouldn't call it a spiritual cleansing, but uh, that is essentially what's going on. You're uh, connecting with my inner psyche in a very real way.
0: Okay. You're getting increasingly uncomfortable as you're talking about it because you're starting to like massage yourself and hug yourself. and
1: <laughs> Yeah. Uh, maybe I didn't do as good a job at processing as I thought. <laughs> um,
0: it's, it's deep down in there, baby. I can't tell you how many books I've read from Brene Brown, for example. Uh, you know, on shame and guilt and all these things and and how many meditation sessions I've had. And and eventually you kind of just wonder, is this just me? Did I just end up in some weird universal game where I was set up to be this way and there's nothing I can do about it? I mean, how have you come along on your processing?
1: Uh, So for me, honestly, I'm in a lot better space now having – Gone through writing two EPs worth of material. That's uh, that's gone through the depths of my <laughs> my brain um, and my my processing. Um, but it did take a while to get comfortable enough to be able to talk about a lot of these things with people. I've always been quite open as uh, emotionally, but in terms of being a lyricist in bands or being a vocalist in bands, there's always been a barrier, uh, which I always assumed was. Uh, caused by the fact that I had to worry about other people's input um, on what I was writing and what I was putting forward to any projects. Uh, And the whole purpose of of starting the band the way that I did was, and writing the songs the way that I did, was to make sure that that filter was gone um, and that this was going to be the most authentic representation of the experience I'd had, um, and I found that it helped me more than anything else ever has in becoming uh, comfortable with myself, uh, truly comfortable with myself in most settings.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, going back to social media and about uh, kind of what we're t- we're chatting about here, something I read on on Twitter the other day that you guys had posted was uh, you guys were playing a show. It looks like on uh, July fifth, and yep somebody and just just reading the message somebody disliked the song the awful truth um so i'm guessing you run up against this so i don't know i guess you're just a brave young man (laughs) um i mean maybe 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 take us through that event (laughs) what happened
1: okay so this um I became aware of this after the show so um, because somebody informed me that it had happened. Uh, and uh, usually in these situations, people will come up to you and, and confront you or heckle you or um, or say something to you. But obviously that wasn't going to be possible in this particular scenario because we're playing a show to uh, 150 people with uh, an awful lot of movement going on. It was the third song in the set. It's We were... Very loud, I must say. Uh, So I don't think uh, if they did object uh, in the moment that I would have known anyway. Um, But I found out that the song had somewhat been misinterpreted by a particularly religious uh, young attendee. um, This
0: happens? You're kidding.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I know, right? Who'd who'd have thought? Um, (laughs) But they they seem to have interpreted it as an attack on them, um, which it actually isn't like and that's something i want to talk about like the the awful truth as a song is my lashing out against um and the band's lashing out as as an entity um against the systemic cover up of uh pedophilia by the roman catholic church the institution the vatican mm-hmm. um it's not actually a targeted shot at anyone who um who may subscribe to that belief system or who may consider themselves a member Of or consider themselves a Catholic as such. Um, It is possible to be a decent human being and also be a Catholic. (laughs) Um, But as far as I'm concerned, if your following of that religion um, is so entrenched that you're not willing to accept that there was very clearly a systemic cover up of heinous abuse for thousands of. Thousands of years as an institution, mm-hmm. then you're just as guilty as they are.
0: Okay, you just you just dropped the bomb, and then it was quiet. I was, I was debating about how long to leave that silence for, and then I got uncomfortable, Brenton. <laughs> um, actually, true story: when I was uh, for a short period of time or a long period of time, I don't want to get into it. I was living in Arizona, and there was a. I don't know what you call this, these places that the Catholic Church keeps, but uh, they were cycling uh, pedophilic priests, and it was discovered that they were keeping them in Scottsdale, Arizona. And then s- just, yeah, and then sending them back har- out into the world.
1: That is just horrific, an example of what uh, the song is about. Um, and, you know, as I was saying, that's um, – I'm not – entirely anti-religion, right? I'm, I'm not out here, and we're not out here as a band, or at least I'm not. I probably shouldn't say that the other guys aren't. I shouldn't speak for them necessarily. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, saying that uh, you're wrong for having religious belief. I'm saying you're wrong for supporting shitty behavior. Shitty behavior is shitty behavior, and crimes are crimes, and uh-huh. there's no uh, devout layer of protection there uh, just because you happen to be a man of the cloth. Um and it is is an enduring frustration of mine that these things uh occur and it is nice to see progress, I must say, um in the prosecution of people in these situations. Uh but it's very much a case of there being a lot of work to do and what has been done so far is too little, probably too late.
0: Yeah. Well and now since we're on the topic. Um over 300 or 400 children now have been discovered in mass graves here because of uh, the way the Catholics had treated uh, the indigenous population here in Canada. And so now the indigenous leaders are looking to the Pope for an apology. I'm like, well, good luck if you get him to come to Canada and, and apologize. Um, so it's, it's definitely sparked, sparked some things uh as of as of recent here in Canada for sure. Uh with regard to the uh what's the word I wanna look for? The strong armhold organization that that faith we'll call it has become. Yep. And has been for thousands of years. A couple thousand years. Or actually at this point, maybe to, what, fifteen hundred?
1: Yeah, fifteen hundred. That's uh that's an interesting uh, development and a very, a very sad one, and it's something that had made the news over here quite quite a bit. Um, and the the thing that's actually interesting to touch on there is that uh, one of the reactions to that in Australia anyway was actually a fair amount of ignorance to the uh, almost the existence in general of the Indigenous population of Canada to start with, mm. um, which is also something that people typically uh, discuss regarding uh, Australia. I feel like um, there are elements of this that are quite prevalent in all Commonwealth nations, mm-hmm. um, shall we say where uh, the indigenous populations have been so so deliberately almost no they have been there was a genocide essentially um, to um, to eradicate that culture from the country and the fact that it persists at all, um, is, is quite a monumental achievement by, by the culture to keep itself alive. Um, and it's, uh, while it's a horrible thing to have been unearthed about the Catholic church, um, I suppose the one small positive there is that it got people in Canada talking about your indigenous, um, population. Um, and provided an opportunity for education of people who may not have even been aware that Canada had one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And now our new governor general is indigenous. So we're making progress, I think, I hope. Yeah,
1: yeah. It seems seems like you are. And I think uh, down here, we're finally making progress uh, as well. Um, uh, not that it's not that it's the biggest thing in the world, and it might be seen as being particularly ceremonial, but uh, they did name a Indigenous man, uh, Paddy Mills, as the flag bearer for Australia at the Olympics um, this morning, which uh, which is quite wonderful to see because he uh, as a one of the athletes that genuinely does um, do his bit to try and uh, and boost uh, the perception and the understanding of the indigenous culture um in Australia um on a worldwide scale. So it's uh it's nice to see those efforts uh, respected and finally uh being presented as uh modern Australia.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, so so far, Brenton, today we've chatted about MySpace and how great it was. Uh, <laughs> we've chatted about early thirties Malays. So at this point we should just call ourselves the thirty year old podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just finished touching up on Indigenous rights, and um, what else we chat about? Chatted about Catholic guilt, both the condition and the band. Uh, mm-hmm. We chatted a little bit about the EP of "This Is What Honestly so- Honesty Sounds Like," and we've got enough time to chat about these three singles as of right now. Anyway, these three singles. I know you said there was really only two that you're kind of pushing right now, but I, I came across three. You said one was a little bit happier, a little bit bouncier, maybe. Um, we've got nothing and then an ellipses, nothing, dot, 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 for those of you who are grammatically insufficient. Uh, <laughs> life in three-part harmony and a boutique affair. So take us through these tracks. Is How much is left of the EP, actually?
1: Uh, so technically it is all out um, now. Um, uh, in terms of as singles, it is all out. Um, it could also be... Uh, the, the thing that happened here was... Um, We, like everyone else, had best laid plans of releasing this um, last year, full scale, rolling it out, touring, etc. And then a thing called a pandemic happened and changed our plans about 92 times. Uh, So we did end up releasing all five songs progressively uh, as singles, as seems to be the way of the world. Um, And it worked out for us because we actually ended up getting all five played on our national uh, youth radio network out here, um, Triple J. Uh, which makes us one of the very rare bands to have literally every song uh, from a release played on national radio, which is a <laughs> an, a nice claim to fame. Um, but uh, in terms of the songs themselves, uh, the three that you mentioned, um, those are the three predominant singles. Um, Nothing is a song about processing grief um, and about coming to terms with this, this notion that, Grief isn't something that happens; you get over, and you continue on living your life. Uh, it's something that continually uh, comes to the fore as you're just moving around, living your life. So you kind of become haunted by your memories and your presence of of a person, um, and so it's specifically written about um, that experience of um, of you know, being at, a, at someone's house that you used to go to all the time and instinctively turning to talk to them, but they're not there and they're never going to be there again. Um, and learning how to perform an, a spiritual alchemist's trick in a way that has you turn that presence uh, into a positive memory and into this notion that you've known love. Because uh, to grieve is to have known love and to have known love is to have lived, um, and that's essentially what that song is about.
0: <laughs> You're so deep, Brenton. <laughs> I bet you use that line to pick up girls. It would work nonstop. <laughs> well, I I actually don't,
1: but that's because I tripped over and uh, literally fell on my partner of fourteen years at a emo night. Um, yeah, fourteen years ago. <laughs>
0: so. Okay. So any <laughs> so. If- it might work yeah, so any, you know it totally will work anybody listening in right now on like spotify or whatever watching on youtube um this is on youtube oh no <laughs> yeah yeah watching on youtube you can totally I pr-
1: sorry i i probably look uh quite average but anyway that's all right
0: <laughs> average okay <Yeah. laughs> uh fantastic that that went another direction um going back to the pickup line being like, baby, if I don't get your number, I'm gonna grieve. But you know what? To grieve means that I loved. I love this moment, <laughs> and that means that I lived in this moment with you. But you know what? And just just leave it as a stare, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> See? You even, cool. yeah, even laughing.
1: Yeah, I am laughing at that. Um that's great. The inner workings of my despair presented
0: as a pickup line. I love it. Um that's growth. That's growth. <laughs> The inner workings of my despair. Holy jeebers, Brenton! <laughs> so let's, let's talk about a happier, uh, a happier song. Um, yeah, the inner workings so, uh, of my lack of despair. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, so Life in Three-Part Harmony, which is one of the other songs that has a lovely animated video, um, uh, that song is, uh, is about my, my love of live music and my love of other people who love the experience of attending uh, shows. And the unique way in which music empowers each and every one of us on a communicative level and a spiritual uh, level. So um, it was inspired by watching my partner watch a band um, and noticing the way that her um, her whole body um, was responding to the music, like all of her every vocal inflection would bring a um, a smile or a um, or like a a full body. response that you could see that she's having a near spiritual uh, experience and you look around the room and everyone else there is in that mindset then as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's always been something that I've found to be almost the equivalent of, of a church for me. Um, that experience it shows. Um, and so uh, the rest of the band feel the same way. So we wrote a song essentially dedicated to the thing that we connect with the strongest and that we use as our method of communication with other human beings. Um, I'm sure everyone's been to a show before, um, and had that moment where you're singing along to each word of the song and it feels like it's really connecting with you. And you're like, I'm experiencing something really special here. I'm bonded. And you look to the left or to the right of you and there's people from all different walks of life, having that exact same experience as you in that moment. Um, And I don't think there's anything else on the planet that does that as well as music.
0: Unless the band sucks, Brenton, and then (laughs) that never happens. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But uh, maybe they can go see some
1: non-sucky bands and have it happen. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Yeah. And for anybody listening in who's in a band... That's what you're looking for, that visceral response. You don't want people to go, yeah, your band is cool. No, no, no. You want people to be like, here's my credit card. Where is your album? I want to buy it now. I was singing along to all the words of your song. You want a visceral reaction or, as Brenton put it, a spiritual reaction where people are just digging it because you don't suck. Exactly. Um, and we were fortunate
1: enough to have that experience. Um the other night, we actually finally got to play a show, uh, <laughs> to play an EP launch show, uh, in Melbourne here and seeing other people, um, singing the words of that song, all of our songs really, but that song, for example, and the way that I actually saw that happening in real time, mm-hmm. um, cause I'm the vocalist and I can see what's going on everywhere. I saw happening in real time, people having uh, a connection to the back half of the lyrics where I'm like, uh, and I can't imagine anywhere in the world I'd rather be than in a front row of a sold out show in your company, because the song, show was in fact sold out and they were in fact in the front row and they were singing along with their friends and they were having that same moment that I see myself having at shows. And, mm-hmm. um, to see that come full circle, mm-hmm. um, uh, really was quite empowering for me, like quite, quite a, um, an overwhelming experience for me. Um, uh, not to make it all about myself, but, uh, whenever you've written a song and somebody connects with it in that way, um, and then comes up to you and tells you that they've connected with it in that way. Then in that's all I ever really wanted to achieve in playing music was, um, being able to help somebody else by writing a song in the way that music has helped me and other musicians have helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, seeing that happen ever, and it has happened a few times now, thankfully. Very lucky. Um, uh, gives you a great sense of uh, fulfillment and connection with uh, the people attending your show. So, yeah. Yeah. It, It's
0: rad. Um, it is. now. Uh, yeah, go on. Sorry. You can also you know, say front row and sold out, because with COVID restrictions, there was only one row and it was the front row, and it was pretty easy to sell it out because <laughs> it was not full capacity, <laughs> but you know, you don't have to include that information. <laughs> <laughs>
1: nah, look, sold out is sold out. Sold, um, sold out is sold out. Yeah, yeah,
0: look, it was 150, which is not bad,
1: considering the, <laughs> pretty, uh, the pretty,
0: current... Yeah, that's pretty good for COVID. Actually, I just got, finished chatting with somebody in Newcastle and they said that Australia is starting to shut down again. So, Yeah, so we got lucky um, in the
1: sense that, uh, that we got lucky, that we got our show in before that inevitably occurs. We actually live in the city of Melbourne, which uh, has been the one that has experienced the most um, lockdowns and stuff. And um, we've all been fully supportive of those lockdowns. It's, it's petty to not be, really, um, in, the, in this sense that, at least in terms of its impact on us as a band, um, our music or our musical career is in no way as important as the uh, the health and well-being of the entire population of the state of Victoria, mm-hmm. <laughs> for example. Um, so we were surprisingly <laughs> compliant for a bunch of, uh, punk rock <laughs> dudes during the lockdown, but we do appreciate that it's been quite difficult for a lot of people. Um, and that, that obviously in- includes us cause it's had a dramatic impact on our personal lives, our social lives, our ability to get this release happening. And it, it stopped us being able to go to the United States when we were supposed to. Um, but, that it's all about maintaining perspective and realizing that it's not something that's happening to you uh, or because of you. It's something that's happening around you um, mm-hmm. that is impacting you. And yeah. so like most bands, we've had to find ways to work around that. Um, so that meant not seeing each other for five months, um, for example. Um, but being able to maintain connection via um, via all of these wonderful opportunities and, and options we have these days with the internet, um, and making sure to make that effort and to make contact with the people that you know that were struggling or, um, or just in general, just making sure you're there. Um, we were able to get through it to the point where we've come out on the other side, ready to do a lot of really cool things. Um, and I'm happy to say that most other bands that I know have also managed to get to that point, And most other people I know have managed to get to that point, And that's, a combination of a community spirit, even though everyone was so disconnected, they um, they really did come together here um, and uh, and work for a overall goal, um, which was to be able to get our city, which is one of culture. It's a very cultural city. It's very music-heavy. It's very art-heavy. It's very theatre-heavy. It's very comedy-heavy. Um, it's an event-going populace. Um, uh, everyone working together to get back to that part has been really actually quite... Um, surprising and and empowering to see um i've i've actually think that our city became better even though <laughs> even though it's ha- it suffered a lot uh, i think it became better
0: that's good i haven't heard that one and i don't know that yeah. i can say that about my city but that's good mm. so
1: that's, um yeah now um i think it's actually got worse. a <laughs> a good... I'm sorry to hear that. Um, it's actually... A, I think it's it's actually surprising, right? Because the generation that's been the best at this, and this is a continuous bugbear of mine, right? Uh-oh. The, our generation, yours and my generation, uh-huh. and the two generations below us had no problem doing the right thing. At least not here. Right? Yep. Um, very community-minded, very... Uh, focused on enjoyment of life of fulfillment of life of um, and a lot of the goals seem to be more tailored towards creating the best possible experience for everyone or the most inclusive experience for everyone. And despite it being the most restrictive on what is really the most active years of our lives. So actually probably the most uh, apart from the elderly who obviously died in enormous numbers and, Um, young people were probably adversely impacted the most in terms of its restriction on what they could do with what are supposed to be the golden years of their life. Yet they were the ones that tended to come together the quickest and complied the quickest and did the things that they were supposed to do. And yet I continuously heard in the media, people targeting uh, young people as, um, as the problem, Uh, (laughs) which just, did not seem to be the case. And I used to work at a university and every single day I would see people who had their lights switched on in their eyes still, who still believed that change was possible, who still thought that, you know, the, there was a world bigger than just themselves. Um, and those people inspired me and they've inspired me again throughout the, um, throughout the pandemic, because they've been the ones that have been out there um, doing everything that has been asked of them and doing so uh, willingly and with a genuine desire to make the world better. Um, and that actually fills me as a 30-odd year old mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. with great hope for um, for the next generation's uh, role on in at least my country.
0: Wow. Okay. <laughs> Alright. I'll have to go to the library and see if I can get a copy of the book that you've got because... <laughs> I don't even think I'm on the same page. Anyway, uh, <laughs> great. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. No, but no, no, that's the thing. It depends
1: on what you're exposed to. It really does. Um, yeah. And um, I can see how that might not be the case everywhere, certainly. Um, yeah. But for whatever reason, I've landed in a very positive place regarding uh, the, younger <laughs> the younger generation um, and also a pretty positive place regarding my uh, state and community's yeah. response to... The pandemic
0: well, but that's, that's pretty good because the joke i heard the entire time was that just like the spice girls everybody can get their shit together but victoria mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <This is> so- <laughs> now,
1: unfair joke all right but i won't go into it i won't go into it um other than to say other than to say we weren't where the virus started damn it <laughs>
0: that's right that's right. Well, it, not about where it started, Brenton. It's about you know
1: shared. It resp- didn't even, it didn't even
0: spread from here. Shared, shared responsibility, Brenton, and uh, evidently- no, it's very funny. The one thing I will say, and this is this is the this is the inner Victorian
1: coming out in me. uh Oh, it's funny how Australia is a country, a Commonwealth, if you like, a federal government. Yes. Until (laughs) there's something where it requires the federal government to take responsibility of the health and well-being of its populace. Um, And then all of a sudden you'll find that, no, 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 those are state government responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would say that our state government tried very hard to do the right thing. Uh, I'm not necessarily pro nor um, anti-government in general. Um, but that the federal government on Australia failed on a fucking catastrophic level. Um, and I, uh, the one thing they did what correct to
0: being positive, Brenton. Yeah.
1: The one thing they did correct was the welfare system that was quite well utilized. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I consider that a bare pass mark for a country that has a, um, a system that's already well established for, um, for assisting, people who've fallen hard times uh so that's my one negative gripe um is that uh (laughs) is that they definitely should have handled the vaccines better and they definitely could have handled um supporting us better but having said that it was still better Mm -hmm. than what i saw happen in a lot of other places so i am speaking from a position of relative privilege i understand of course um yeah um one thing about A Boutique Affair, which is the one song we haven't talked about out of the three. Uh, that song yeah. um, is about how it is harder and harder and harder to make friends the older you get. I wonder why, Brenton. <laughs> and I'm a genuinely quite positive guy. Um, I agree with uh, you. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> it is more difficult to make friends um, the older that you get. And that is seems to be a universal experience that people were having around me. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, um, so we wrote that song and it's, it's got that cool trick where it's sounds super happy and upbeat and pop punk. But if you listen to the lyrics, they're actually really depressing. That's <laughs> how you do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, um, I coined, I've coined a phrase for that. Um, Sad boy dance party is what I decided that song um should oh. be called. I don't know if I want to be
0: at a sad boy dance party. Maybe if I wear my mesh yeah. shirt and get my electrical tape on my nipples, I'll be happy to show up at a sad boy dance party and I'll bring yeah. I'll bring my distortion pedal and we'll do some industrial pop punk or something. Yeah, exactly. You should. Whoa. Um Steampunk. Steampunk, Steampunk. Uh the comedian
1: Andrew O'Neill is out there uh very happy right now that I'm mentioning um steampunk. Um But, uh, yeah, so um, A Patek Affairs, like, obviously, um, is the one that's had the most um, radio play of those songs. Um, It took off quite well on uh, Triple J and then uh, their subsidiary station, Triple J Unearthed, um, which is a digital radio station out here. And it's been getting spun quite a lot. And um, it it turns out that a lot of people connect with with that lyrical message. Um, And um, it seems like I'm not the only person who, much like Soupy, just wants to sell out his funeral.
0: That's right. That's right, baby. I hope they don't forget at my funeral to talk about how humble I am.
1: <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, I've spoken a lot about me and, and my role in the band here, and I just want to make sure that anyone that's watching or listening um, doesn't uh, doesn't think this is a, a one-man project or anything. Um, it uh-huh. absolutely isn't my... Um, my bandmates are awesome people, um, fantastic musicians. Um, none of these songs are what they are without their contributions, um, and and I'm most certainly not the um, the vocalist that I am, nor the lyricist that I am without their um, without their input. And the band definitely wouldn't function without each of them to the way that it does. Um, we did start this as a two piece. It did expand to a five piece, and every single person that is currently in the band um, brings an element that I would consider to be essentially irreplaceable um, because they've got a unique skill set that when combined creates these very fully fledged um, uh, productions and and songs. Um, So to John. Yes. Brenton. I have to say that, uh, I got to give a big shout out to uh, to my man, no, uh, to uh, <laughs> to James, our drummer, to Dean, our guitarist, to Bryce, our guitarist and vocalist, and of course to our most handsome of men, Ben, our bass player, mm-hmm. for uh, for yeah. the role that they play in well, the band, man. Catholic Guilt, um, because it is very much a a collective, um, and uh, the songs belong to them as much as they belong to me. So it's, uh, it's nice to see um, and nice to be able to say wholeheartedly that um, this is by far the best band I've ever been in, in terms of um, the makeup of the people and the level of skill and the songs that we've written. And so I'm happy that this is the stuff that people in Canada get to hear.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> buddy. And I love the name Bryce because it doesn't sound as attractive when I say it. But when you have an Australian accent, it's like Bryce.
1: Yeah, mate. His his Bryce Bru- uh, Bryce, mate, or, or as good. my autocorrect always says on my speech to
0: text, Bruce. Exactly, which doesn't sound as good in an Australian <laughs> accent. Bruce, Bryce, Bruce, Bryce, mate, Bruce. Bryce. Le- le- Listen, Bryce. Yeah, fucking to <laughs> get that going, right? Anyway, so yeah. Oh, mate, our accent is is cooked. I know. <laughs> aircon, Bryce, put the aircon on. Okay. Beautiful. Oh, no, it's a bogan, Bross. Look out. So (laughs) Cool. Well, that concludes my questions. And my next call is knocking on the door. Cool. Um, So we chatted about anything and everything under the sun. I'm glad to finally have you guys on the show because, like I said, I think you guys released an EP, what, last year? And I was trying to get you on and I was sad, but now I'm happy. And we'll do this again. And, uh, yeah. So thank you so much for coming on to the uh, Pop Punk Rock Metal Podcast today.
1: No worries. Thanks for having me, John. To people that are watching, which I wasn't aware was going to happen or listening, uh, can <laughs> you uh, and you want to hear what This Is What Honesty Sounds Like is about, or you just want to hear more of my ridiculous accent, uh, go to catholicguiltmusic.com forward slash listen, and you'll be able to access the whole EP and all of our socials from there. Um, also, shout out to Rob from Wiretap Records. What a legend.